Good morning and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join in on the phone, online, or via a text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody, and welcome to the month of August as we come your way on this Wednesday from our studios in downtown Champaign. So glad you are with us, no matter where you might be listening, on your radio, in your car, at home, working outside, running, walking, you're streaming, both locally, nationally, and around the world. We're glad you're with us. Always good to hear from everybody that is listening, whether you call us at 356-9397, text us, 3515357 or email us talk at wdws.com kind of our community gathering place as we discuss the big issues of the day whether it's national whether it's political whether it's sports uh, anything else that comes up we'll be doing that during the course of the day today some of the uh, topics we'll be hitting on today we're going to start with the um, latest from unit 4 the unit 4 school board president it's Chris Kleppel they had a big meeting a couple of nights ago several issues related to uh, the expansion, of course, from the bond referendum a couple of years ago uh, as Champaign Central looks to expand the Burnham Mansion. What happens now since uh, the deadline was missed? Uh, the building's going to be torn down. Uh, what happens after that? We'll get into that with uh, Chris Kleppel here in just a few minutes to uh, start the show. Also some open line time during the course of the two hours today as well. A couple of topics we'll probably hit on uh, have to do with uh, distracted driving. Jim Dye had a big column yesterday about it. Mary Schenck had a story about that accident on the interstate involving the death of a uh, young person with uh, distracted driving, driving looking down at their cell phone. And uh, some citations issued yesterday in Urbana in a focused effort there. And we'll get into some of the numbers on that that happened yesterday and during the course of the year and talk about distracted driving a little bit uh, when it comes to cell phones. And then also uh, Facebook in the news, you may have seen about that, and also the uh, story about the 3D guns, the plastic guns. There's an injunction uh, holding up some uh, blueprints that we're going to go online today. We'll focus on that a little bit in the second half hour today as well. Paul Manafort's trial, ostrich suits, there's all sorts of wild things with that story. And if there's a topic you'd like to bring up, you can feel free to do that during the course of the show today. 3569397 Texas 3515357 that line's open 24/7 and you can email us talk at wdws.com. Chris Kleppel will start us off here from a unit 4 and we'll do that after this opening timeout on a Wednesday in August. Penny for your thoughts continues on this August 1st. I was thinking earlier, this is a palindrome today, 8118, right? I always love palindromes. <laughs> we got that. Chris Kleppel is with us uh, as he joins us here from, uh, of course, the Unit 4 School Board President. Uh, people may know you as that role, but you also have a regular job, right, over at the university? I do. I'm yeah. a plumber full-time at uh, yeah. Facilities and Services, so yeah. taking a little elected official time this morning <laughs> to be here with you in the studio. Yeah. And then actually have my real estate license, too, so with wow. the Keller Williams and the uh, Mark Waldoff guard team. So 
But yep, so yeah, you're a busy guy. Busy, busy. Yeah. When do you have time to be Unit Four president? Though? Oh, in my free time, <laughs> it's my hobby. I I gave up golf. I joke sometimes, um, but yeah. So, hmm. um, but yep, and then enjoy spending time with my family outside of that. So. Well, great to have you here, and I appreciate you coming by. We just, you know, there was so much focus on the Burnham Mansion in this summer. This has been the summer of the Burnham Mansion. What was going to happen to it? And uh, Chris Inc. was trying to get everything arranged and get it moved, and it all fell through, I guess, at the end. But um, tell us, I know you were kind of disappointed that it really didn't work out Yeah, I able th- to save the building. I guess. At an individual level, and I think at the board level at a point, we were um, saddened that he, he, what, it, things didn't fall, fall together quite hell. He saw it and um, what we were hopeful he was going to be able to accomplish, but... Um, really, it came down to there was a point where we needed to move on, and so um, we we had been able to extend deadlines and things um, through some circumstances and things. But uh, we're really we're coming up on a time where um, you can kind of see it. Um, last Monday, we approved demolition packages for mm-hmm. those properties, and we were able to put the Burnham in because we had um, we had bid it as an alternate. You know, if things did fall through as they as they did, we'd be able to kind of slide that into into the progression of things so um we're we're moving along so just maybe kind of update that central project here i know yeah because this is over a few years right Uh, yeah and so um and it's kind of interesting when you the referendum passing in november of 2016 we're we're coming up on two years from that date and so a lot of um not behind the scenes but you know, planning, community conversations, uh, conversations with the staff, uh, deciding what's going to, uh, how things are going to take shape, uh, really digging down into uh, what was presented in the referendum and then how all of that's going to work. And so uh, the the Burnham property, along with several other properties, kind of fall into that first phase of the gymnasium being built. And so um, that that area is kind of the first thing that needs to get cleared uh, out to bid already is the phase two demolition, which will be the uh, what people think of as the old YMCA property um, as site lay down and things like that for. Um, but the gymnasium there will come across Park Street and and be built. And so um, clearing these buildings out are those things kind of need to take place for first before we can proceed. Mm-hmm. So uh, right now we're uh, we're continuing architectural salvage at 607 and. Uh, 603 603 is the the burnham house mm-hmm. um that so works. that's underway now some salvaging yep okay. and then um the other three properties that are being demolished the other three lynhurst properties they've already been salvaged um kind of simultaneously with that work uh abatements going on uh removing the hazardous materials from all the buildings so obviously that'll follow behind the two buildings still being salvaged and then demolition will start as soon uh, on that first property here in mid-August, really, and then uh, the other buildings as as uh, salvage and the uh, abatement of the hazardous materials mm-hmm. will follow yeah. follow closely behind that. So uh, six hundred three, uh, the Burnham Mansion will be likely the last property demolished uh, due to the need of to complete the salvage and the hazardous mm-hmm. material removal. Um, but sometime between mid-September and uh, mid-October, um, all those properties will be down. Yeah. So a lot of all of the flurry of activity right now, all of this has to do with Champaign Central expansion or renovating or it, building, right? Absolutely. Uh, we have utility work going on right now at Central. Um, if you've been around that <laughs> on either side of 
either university or park, there's a utility work going on. Uh, the majority of that will be completed before students arrive there mid-August uh, with a, there's a water line that needs to be moved at some point and that'll be later on mm -hmm. in the year. But uh, along with that, we're, we're going hard at uh, Spalding. Uh, that's where the mm -hmm. baseball will be moving to from the McKinley Field over at the Southside campus. It'll be moving to Spalding uh, for next spring's baseball season. And so to get grass growing in the outfield, that work mm -hmm. uh, needs to be substantially completed by October to get the gas, grass going. So we have nice green turf for the, for the athletes and uh, community mm -hmm. to use in the, in the spring. So that's uh, progressing. And then obviously if you've been over to Centennial utility work going on there as well, along with the, the renovation of the Tommy Stewart fields becoming a uh, full turf field, uh, the track is being resurfaced. And so the intention still is to have uh, that first central varsity <laughs> football game there uh, that Friday night, uh, late, late August. And then the next week Centennial and central actually play their game there. And so you mm. can't go to the other yeah, <laughs> schools yeah. because they both play on the same, same field, but right. th that's going on. And then uh, the, all the other projects really are in various stages of uh, design and development. Dr. Howard's obviously been salvaged. And so that'll be coming down later, mm -hmm. later this year, early next year. And uh, students will be at Columbia there for the, the next two years. So mm. lots of, lots yeah. of things going on everywhere. <clears throat> and a so, lot of, a lot of balls in the air there. Yep. And, Central project, I think, with its size and kind of, it's kind of been the forefront of all the projects through this entire process, going back even before my time on the board. Mm -hmm. So I think that continues to get the headlines, but really a lot of work going on in a lot of different places. Our uh, Pioneer project is, is wrapping up. We're going to be closing on that this Friday, actually. Uh, that's where our science tubs and food services and things are going to be going. The Mellon Administrative Building has made the transition. They're not all over there quite yet, but that, mm. that's been taking place all summer. So uh, over to the Windsor facility. So uh, lots lots of facility work and activities going on on top of everything else. Chris Kleppel is the Unit 4 School Board President. We're visiting with him for a few minutes off the top. He's on his way to uh, his regular work, but we wanted to uh, just get a quick update on all that's happening uh, there was a story, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before, about the Bowers family, and I, I don't know if they were t tangent to, to the properties you were looking to acquire, and now they're one of the few left. And I, I think you're, the attorney representing Unit 4 is handling most of this, right, Pat Fitzgerald? Yep, Pat Fitzgerald has uh, been – so this has been an ongoing conversation at various uh, interests, uh, either by the district or by the family for – for some two years now. And so we continue to work through that. I mentioned earlier that I'm into real estate. And so uh, this just has a different taste and feel to it. And mm -hmm. um, certainly, but it, we'll continue to uh, work on that through Pat and so, mm -hmm. and through their uh, attorney. And so work, work that out and see, see if we can come to some some real estate agreement yeah. at the end of the day. So. Yeah, and the, and the law, each side has lawyer representing them, so they've been trying to work through that. And the, the family, did they actually, they came to the board meeting the other night, right? The did family they, was present yeah, at the board yeah. meeting. Um, their attorney, Paul Cole, um, mm -hmm. was, spoke to the board in, in public comments. So, um, and again, we'll, we'll refer that back to Pat. Sure. And, um, he left us manuscript and everything for that, so... We'll continue to work through that. Yeah. So. so the overall for everything going on, when will everything be done? I mean, we're looking at so we three to four years. Uh, twenty two. 
Okay. Uh, so if you're going into school that that fall of uh, August of 22, uh, 2022, you should be all the our, all of our projects across the district from the referendum, if you could say. So yeah. I think part of the uh, going through that process, one of the things that we wanted to do was really create a capital projects and um, a better timeline of facilities management plan. And so uh, we started with $300 million worth of need in the district, and we're taking care of some $210 million of that need through these referendum projects, but middle school and those types of things. So, But I think the uh, district moving forward has a much better pulse on, on their facility needs and a better idea of how to manage that. And so that was something we were able to do uh, through through the tier two process in mm-hmm. particular. And so, but uh, yeah. the bulk of the referendum work will be done in August of 2022. I know when they were talking about this and there were two or three referendums before we got to the one that, that passed in 2016, I remember the centennial principal while my daughters were there was talking about the number of students in grade school and elementary school and, and middle school that were growing. Absolutely. That it was more a case of, look, we're gonna we got to update here. We got to do something because we're just running out of room. There's there's too many kids, which yeah. is not a problem, but that's that's a problem they face. Well, and certainly uh, the Champaign um, Urbana area and Champaign County, for that matter, has really seen growth over these past years. When a lot of people are talking about leaving the state and everything uh, here here in Central Illinois in our community, we've we've really seen growth. Uh, Champaign's been one of the fastest growing communities. Um, some years it is the fastest growing city in the state of Illinois. And so we continue to see that. And so 15, 20, 30 years down the road, what is what are the needs of our community going to mm-hmm. be? And so I, th- I think Unit 4 moving forward is in a much better place to start addressing those and kind of looking looking ahead to those things. All right, Chris Kleppel is with us. you got time to take a call here? Let's do it. All right, uh, Chris Kleppel with us. Alan has a question, I believe. Hey, Alan, how are you? I'm doing fine. Um, as a as a former teacher, um, concerned about school safety, and I'm sure you know that's on the top top of the minds of most people concerned about education. I was wondering what what is your thoughts uh, or the position of your school district about <clears throat> cameras in the classroom? Um, thoughts on cameras. I, I I'm going to be honest. I haven't thought uh, too hard on cameras in the classroom i i guess if i'm sitting here and so i'll speak personally from Mm -hmm. from my thought process since as a board we haven't really discussed it i think that really uh starts to impede on the work of teachers i know we have uh cameras in hallways and things like that entrances and stuff like that but when you're starting to surveil i think there would be uh conversations that i know in particular teachers would be interested in well what are those cameras being used for? Um, we have policies on students videotaping things and stuff like that. So I, th- I think uh, having cameras in classrooms uh, would be a slippery slope and certainly something that we would want to have a much broader conversation around. What, what, what is there that would be going on in classrooms that should not be made available to the public? Let me, let me kind of give you some background here. I, I would think that most people would realize that, you know, the glue to our uh, country is we have a, a good education or quality education program. And one of the things that helps ensure that is parent involvement. 
being a former teacher or parents, it's hard for them to be involved in what's going on in the classroom. Sometimes, you know, school districts provide uh, uh, teacher-parent uh, meetings once a, or a couple of times a year and you can come in, but why shouldn't a parent be able to see what's going on in a classroom? With today's technology, with today's technology, why shouldn't a teacher be able to go online and look at what, what's going on in his classroom? Uh, what I don't have any idea how a, te- or a, uh, a camera looking in on a classroom would hinder hinder a teacher. Mm-hmm. Now you say, Alan, you said you were a teacher yourself. I'm a retired teacher. Yeah. Did would you have wanted that? I mean, would you have been comfortable with that? Well, absolutely. Yeah. Why not? Hmm. Here's here's what I'm saying. Teachers make out uh, lesson plans. And, and are supposed to, why, why shouldn't a, a parent, taxpaying parent, be able to go on to the school district website, look up the, uh, his, his uh, child's class schedule, look, look, at the, look at the lesson plan, and then plug into like, that classroom, make sure that teacher's teaching the lesson versus propagandizing. Yep. Hmm. I think why aren't we using technology in the schools? Yeah. Well, and I think I think what you're talking there, and and why I say it would have to be a much larger conversation. I think you get to then um, should every taxpayer then have that access and sure, and why then, not? And th- no, certainly. And so, but then you have uh, someone, anyone, being able to look in on a class. And yes, you're the th- what you're talking about is looking in on a teacher, but then you're looking in on on students and um you're other looking st- in on a classroom i understand that yeah. and you're so, not looking at the kids pants or something like that you're looking at a classroom well not and i'm assuming alan that you're not doing that but um the fact of the matter is we have taxpayers that would be doing that and abusing uh, abusing the situation how would they be abusing yeah. it how what what could they what could, would be a what would be abused of any taxpayer looking in on see what's being taught on the taxpayer dime I, you're you're welcome to to come and talk and uh, ask what the curriculum is and and see those things. So I think you're just talking about a a, a much larger. Hmm. I'm not saying I am. I, yeah, and and probably something that's not going to happen for a while. Well, it's something I, I think. think needs to be a conversation, yeah. and I think it's something to be thought about by yeah. parents and taxpayers, and et cetera. Things have changed. Yeah. Why not use technology in the education system? Well, I'll use an example of in February, I, I was up in uh, Chicago and I had spent a weekend out of town and I flew into Midway and I was, it was snowy and wet and sleety and I, I ran a, a red light and um, I got a speeding ticket and the, the fee to pay to appear in court was more than the ticket and I can look back on that day and say I went through that light because the hazardous road conditions, but at the end of the day, I got ticketed for that moment in time because I I crossed over, and so it. it that's I paid, that's apples and oranges. Yeah. It, it is, but it, talking about technology, technology though, and, and, and how it's yeah. being used, okay. and so. Yeah. All right. Hey, all right. Alan, th- thank you for the call, you. man. I appreciate it. Very good. Um, overall, though, um, safety, school safety has been a big issue as the board talked. Oh, absolutely. About that uh, sort of thing. During the uh, referendum process, we had a uh, survey that went out to the community. Uh, safety probably topped everybody's list of priorities on this. Uh, when we talk about uh, the buildings that we're doing it, um, that we're updating and putting safe, secure entrances in 
IPA, Southside, and and Dr. Howard obviously being mm-hmm. a new school will have those safe, secure entrances. Central, Centennial will have safe, secure entrances. Right near, now at Centennial, you buzz in at the door and you have to climb a flight of stairs and pass a hall monitor before you get in the offices. Uh, Centennial have a office on the first floor that you buzz in or into an atrium, have to go through the office to get in the building. So uh, s- certainly those things are at the the forefront of, of, of doing those things. And the fact of the matter is things are progressing almost daily sometimes on what's available and what's safety and, and, and finding that balance mm-hmm. of, of, of how much to put in it. But um, safety is a forefront of, of these projects for sure. All right. Well, we're going to let you get to your uh, regular real job All on right. your way. Not that you don't have enough to do with Unit 4, but uh, the cranes, when will they start tearing down these buildings? Are we looking at the fall? Uh, Probably yep, but, um, fairly soon. Or? Some of the first buildings will come down uh, middle of August, so a couple okay, weeks. A huh? couple so. weeks from now, yeah. Yep. So. All right. Hey, Chris, thank you. Thanks for having for me, For stopping Brian. by. We appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yep. We'll come back with more. Penny for your thoughts. A little open line time after this. All right. Appreciate Chris Kleffel stopping by on his way to uh, work as part of his uh, work with the Unit 4 School Board as the president. Just a quick update on all of that. Uh, we've had several stories uh, in the uh, News Gazette and on the radio about all of this. So I thought we'd hear from the head man himself at the uh, Unit 4 School Board. 931, Corey Swanson is a hands-on owner of uh, Swanson Roofing the Roofing Dog. Truly a family-owned business, 100% owned and operated by Corey Swanson and his wife Melissa. He's a graduate from Rantoul High School in the University of Illinois. The Roofing Dog crew comprised of roofing professionals certified in roof installation, Swanson Roofing guarantees their workmanship for the lifetime of your roof, and materials they use are guaranteed for 50 years. We're getting close to, what, 2020 here, so we're talking almost 2070. (laughs) Think about that. Swanson Roofing takes responsibility and ownership of every past customer, and that's a cornerstone of the business. Swanson Roofing, the roofing dog, providing service in Champaign, Vermilion, Ford, and McLean counties. If you need some roof work done, get a free estimate. 217-355-ROOF, 217-355-7663, or visit Swanson Roofing online at theroofingdog.com. 932, news headlines coming up here with Michael Kaiser, and we'll talk a little bit about Facebook and 3D plastic guns. That's coming up shortly on Penny for Your Thoughts. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397, email talk at wdws.com, or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Back on Penny for Your Thoughts, Newstalk 1400, DWS, 1st of August, 2018. Boy, July went by very, very quickly. Now we're into August. A month from today, we'll be playing football over at Memorial Stadium, September 1st against Kent State. Practice starts in a couple of days on August the 3rd. So that is getting underway here in Champaign at the University of Illinois. Basketball schedule, the non-conference schedule came out yesterday. don't know if you saw some of that. If we get a chance, especially during the second hour, we'll kind of run through that. Open line time here for a few minutes, 356-9397. You can text us. Castle Heating and Cooling text line is 3515357 and email us, 
talk at WDWS.com. Thanks to Chris Kleppel for stopping by for a few minutes uh, this morning. Unit 4 uh, School Board President, lots of things going on, lots of construction around town. And, of course, the Burnham Mansion uh, was a big story here this summer that uh, kind of ended with a whimper, I guess, basically. Um, they're going to uh, salvage what they can out of the building. The process is underway there. And then eventually uh, they'll knock the building down. All right, let's see here. The uh, a federal judge yesterday blocked the release of blueprints to make 3D-printed plastic guns. The order uh, coming as President Trump questioned whether his administration should have agreed to allow the plans to be posted online. Texas-based Defense Distributed had reached a settlement with the federal government in June after a years-long battle allowing it to make the plans for the guns available for download but issuing a restraining order. The U.S. District Judge Lesnick said there's a possibility of irreparable harm uh, because of the way these guns can be made. Eight Democratic attorney generals, uh, attorneys general had filed a lawsuit Monday seeking to block the settlement, arguing the printable guns would be safety risk. The president said yesterday that making 3D plastic guns available to the public, quote, doesn't seem to make much sense. The guns are easy to conceal and difficult to trace. And the other big story was Facebook. Uh, they say they found sophisticated efforts to influence U.S. politics, took down 32 fake accounts on Facebook and Instagram related to its findings. Facebook did not uh, directly link the manipulation effort to Russia, the upcoming midterm elections, but they say the activity was similar to what Russian actors did during the 2016 presidential campaign. Had a big uh, discussion on this on Monday with Justice Robert Steigman, if you heard that. So there's a couple of uh, big stories uh, nationally, and of course Paul Manafort's uh, trial getting underway in Virginia yesterday. Prosecutors charging that he orchestrated a multi-million dollar conspiracy to evade U.S. tax and banking laws. Always interesting in these trials what comes out. Uh, they say, the, they allege, he funneled millions, uh, tens of millions of dollars through offshore accounts, secret income that prosecutors allege went to pay for personal expenses so this is a $21,000 watch and a $15,000 jacket made of ostrich. Got any of those in your closet? <laughs> Let's go to James. Hey, James, good morning. Hey, I just want to say something real quick about the cell phone thing. Yeah. Uh, I've talked to you about this before. I still, when I drive, I keep it in my left front pocket, and if the dumb thing rings, that's too bad. I'll find a place to pull over and park somewhere safe, and then see if it's worth answering. Well, but that's I, that's a, that's the smart way to do it. I'm I'm a very conservative driver. Um, I'm getting sold. I keep both hands on the wheel, and I, you know, front, rear, side vision. Man, the other people on the road are driving telephone booths, and they're distracted drivers. I don't even mess with the radio when I'm driving. Well, you're you're uh, one of the few out there because, and that's the way it should be. Um, but I tell you what, I think they said in Urbana yesterday. Uh, our newsroom had this: police wrote 22 cell phone violations during a targeted patrol at Florida and Race. Yeah, I used to live over by there where yeah. I live now. I don't care. I I'm, I'm a conservative driver because I look. You have to look out for children, man. You know. Right. 
they'll they'll run out in the street after a ball or something. Man, I drive below the speed limit in residential areas. I just drive conservatively. It's just I I like to be a safe driver. Yeah, and I think part of this is as a society we're struggling with. You know, when we talked earlier this month or last month about you know when the phone rings in the old days, you wanted to answer it. And some of us are ingrained when the phone rings or somebody texts us, you want to, like, answer it because you don't want to be rude, so to speak. But, you know, if you're texting while you're driving, I mean, you're endangering all kinds of people. Well, there's no no reason to have to do any of that stuff. You can just wait till you get off the road and do whatever you want to do. But when you're driving, it's a responsibility. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. You're, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't... Uh, you know, it's just so easy and so tempting to do it that, uh, and we're in, you know, we had this case with the cruise case uh, on Interstate 57 a year ago, and just tragic. Oh, that's another thing. I will not drive on interstates. I listen to the news. Like, Interstate 74 is like, you know, every, every, every week it's like, how many wrecks are on 74? Yeah. And you mix in the construction zone, that even adds to it. Oh, when you're in a construction zone, you slow down, you go slow. Those people are trying to do a job. You don't want to hurt anybody. That's right. Hey, James, thanks for the call today. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Three five six nine three nine seven. Bill is on Penny. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Brian. Well, this wasn't a quick comment, then I'll get to what I called about. I know I in a service business, I call people cell phone all the time. <clears throat> they won't answer it. They'll jump out of a moving car to answer a text. It's just amazing. You always get a hold of somebody with text, usually not with a call. But I was calling about the uh, 3D printer guns. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't made up my mind on whether they should take these plans off, but <clears throat> I think they're they're overrated. Uh, they're a one-shot deal. They're probably as much likely to hurt the shooter as they are to the, whoever they're pointed at. Uh, you can make a 3D printed metal gun. But mm. those printers cost about a hundred thousand, and it makes no sense to make a five hundred dollar gun with a hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment. So, right now, I don't think the technology is there. I don't think it's a big, <clears throat> big safety worry. But I say I'm not sure. Yeah. How I feel about the plans? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, those uh, 3D printers. You're right. Are expensive, and I guess the plastic depends on what you know how good your plastic is. That's part of the cost, I guess. Yeah, you can. They say you can do a plastic one with a two hundred dollar printer, but like I say, it's probably more likely to hurt the shooter than it is anybody else. Mm -hmm. All right. Hey, thank you, Bill. Thank you. I appreciate it. Three five six nine three nine seven. Talking a variety of topics. Got a text in from Bill. He said, "I think our education system is producing young adults with very little marketable skills and an incredible sense of entitlement." says they're saddled with huge student loan debt, see themselves as victims. I think our higher education system is failing. That said, I still respect people's privacy and couldn't support cameras in the uh, classroom. So that uh, text in on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 3515357 if you want to go that route. Uh, on the phone with us here, Larry Maggot is from uh, CBS Technology Consultant. Larry, good morning to you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Well, good to have you on. And a couple of issues that we're talking about here this morning has to do with Facebook and the uh, 3D guns. Let's start with a 3D uh, gun uh, injunction out in Seattle uh, with the judge there. Um, came at the last minute, right? 
Well, it actually came with the last minute, but in a way it came past the last minute because mm-hmm. this guy in um, Texas had already posted. Uh, he, he basically broke his agreement with the State Department and posted these images, not images, but these plans earlier in the week before the uh, time he was supposed to allow be allowed to do so. So they're out there. About 100,000 people have downloaded them. That means that they can be easily forwarded and shared, posted on other sites, on the dark web, on file sharing sites. Um, and, you know, it's out there. If anybody really wants these plans, I'm sure they can get their hands on them. Yeah, so it comes after that. Um, man, what a what a world we live in now where you can make, uh, you know, we've got these 3D printers. We've got them over here at the University of Illinois producing all sorts of yep. things. And um, with these guns, I mean, this... Uh, Sounds to me like this could be a potential, um, a big problem, just mass producing guns with uh, no traceability on them, right? You know, it's all your fault because it was at the University of Illinois that the first web browser was created. <laughs> you guys started it, but I won't blame you. Yeah, no, it is a little scary because, you know, every technology has unintended consequences. So I guess it should be no surprise that someone would use a 3D printer to do something that one shouldn't do, which is to. I'm not saying that's actually legal to produce your own gun, hmm. but it took it takes a fair amount of skill. I mean, you have to be like what a blacksmith, I guess, to be able to do it in your in your basement. But the idea that anybody with a with a device that that is potentially affordable for many people could just crank one out. Now, I have to say that I don't think that a over-the-counter $400 uh, printer that you could pick up on Amazon.com is likely to build an entire assault rifle like an AR-15 or an AK-47, but it could build a handgun and it could build the pieces from which you could assemble eventually an assault rifle. So it is a danger. And then, of course, when you think of terrorist organizations and um, uh, drug cartels with the resources to buy a $50,000 printer, they could start stamping these things out and giving them to their lieutenants. And, you know, we've got all these untraceable unregistered weapons, and nobody needed a background check or a mental health test or anything else to get them. Yeah. So what do you think happens next now with this injunction? What, what, where do we go from here? Well, you know, it's an interesting debate because, uh, you know, there, it is a First Amendment issue. I'm not defending this guy in Texas who's doing it because the First Amendment is something that is subject to some restrictions, right? You can't yell uh, fire in a crowded theater, but it's when the First Amendment and Second Amendment are coming together and, of course, the Second Amendment also has restrictions. I don't believe we can buy nuclear weapons in America. One, one could make a Second Amendment argument that we should all have the right to have them, but we've put restrictions on that amendment as well. And so the courts have to grapple with that. But the problem is that once technology gets out there, the law is kind of useless. What it can do is make it harder for people with casual interest to do it. It can make it harder for children to get a handle on it. It make it harder for petty criminals to be able to produce their own guns. But the fact that it is out there means that some people, if they have the wherewithal, can get their hands on these plans and, and do whatever they want to do. Larry Maggot is a uh, consultant, technology consultant with CBS. We appreciate him uh, being on with us for a couple minutes. The other big story, Larry, has to do with Facebook. And their announcement yeah. yesterday identifying they set a political influence campaign, removing 32 pages and fake accounts. And um, that was the other big story from yesterday regarding them. And Facebook, if the social media is kind of like the Wild West, has been for years. I mean, you can get on with fake accounts and do about anything on there. Are they kind of late to the game of trying to get a handle on this? Or yeah. is it just the technology so big and so vast that it's almost impossible to do it? Well, they were late to the game during the 2016 election, clearly. 
Uh, they didn't even acknowledge it until it was, the damage had been very much done. I think Facebook is doing what it can. I know from my own connections with the company, I, I was at their offices just last week, that they really are putting a lot of resources into this, but they're not getting the kind of help that they need from the government. I think that's part of what this was about, was to say to the government, look, our country is under attack. Our platform is being used to do it. We're doing what we can. We need help because they can't even with absolute certainty uh, identify the Russians, even though a lot of um, security experts are saying, including some former CIA people, that they're pretty sure is the Russian. So this is a very serious problem. First of all, I think it's important that our president take it seriously, and he obviously has denied it on numerous occasions, even though he has also acknowledged it, which I find odd. But we have to come to grips as a nation with the fact that these same country that threatens us with nuclear weapons, or has in the past at least, is now more than threatening us with cyber weapons. They're actually launching them at us. And, and this is real, and it's serious. I don't think anybody will die from it, but an election is a pretty important event. And if they can destroy it or, or manipulate it, that's a direct attack on our country. Yeah. And a lot of talk with, you know, some people get their news from Facebook. There's all kinds of sources to get your news from, including CBS and all of that. But, right. I mean... How much should we be, I mean, I guess as a consumer of news, we should be careful about what we accept as fact, right? Well, we should. And, the, you know, whether it's CBS or Fox News, whether they're right or they're wrong, the fact of the matter is at least they're accountable. At least when, when you know, Jeff Glor comes on television or Brett Baer from Fox comes on television, you know who they are. When you're online, you don't really know the source of that news. And one of the things I, I urge people to do is don't share it if you can't verify it. You see a story in the New York Times, you, you know, it doesn't mean it's true, but at least, it's, at least it's from a credible source, fine, share it. You see a story from a source that you don't have 100% certainty is legitimate, you know, it could very well be fake. Don't share it, because your reputation's at stake. Yeah. Well, they've been able to sow discord, that's for sure. If uh, whoever, you know, the Russians or whoever, uh, they certainly have, right. uh, you know, spread discord well, among, among us politically, goal. yeah. That's part of the goal, is to get us fighting with each other, uh, get us divided, and apparently it, it seems to be working. And, and you're right, and this goes after the left and the right. It's not a left-right It's not a right thing or a left thing. They've actually done some stories that, that get the left folks all riled up and get the right folks all riled up, and it's part of a strategy to divide this country. One other thing before I let you go, Larry, Apple, uh, wasn't going to ask you about this, but Apple, what, it going to be a trillion-dollar company, right? Maybe today? Well... Yeah, that, I guess um, it, it very well could be. And um, look, it's uh, it, it's sort of this unstoppable behemoth. It, it's just an amazing, an amazing force of nature. Whether it will continue to go up forever is a, is a question that financial people can debate. But they certainly keep coming out with good products, even products, even though they haven't innovated that much lately. The the big product they have, the the iPhone, continues to delight a lot of people. Yeah. Hey, Larry, great to visit with you today. We'll do this again sometime. Thanks so much. Take right. care. Very good. Larry Magid from uh, CBS, technology consultant. Let's go back to the phones here at 953. Brian, good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine, Brian. How are you? Good. Good. Um, just some comments on the, the couple of things that uh, Larry was talking about. Uh, those 3D printing guns, I'm not a big fan of them, but I agree with one of the other callers. They're not reliable, but... To say that the drug cartels are going to take advantage of them because they don't have real drug uh, background checks or anything else, gangbangers and drug cartels don't care about background checks. They really don't. 
pay to seal the firearms, get them some other way. Or when Obama was office, BATF gave them the gun. So they don't they don't care about background checks. They don't need to print guns like that. And, and like one of the previous caller says, most of those firearms that are going to be made off a 3D printer are going to be useless. You're going to get two or three shots, and they're, they're going to fail. Um, and then this other thing he was just now saying about Facebook and the false accounts they claim they found and everything, and I, I imagine some of them are fake. And he was saying you need to trust whether it's CBS or Fox, you need to trust a news source that's accountable and, and reliable. Most of the mainstream media I do not trust. I don't think they're accountable. They don't care, and they're definitely not reliable. And I'm sorry, Breitbart and WND and uh, Newsmax seems to be just as reliable or more reliable than CBS, ABC, and CNN. All right. Hey, Brian, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Brian. Good to hear from you. 954. Got several texts in. We'll get to those and emails. We'll take a break. Back after this. All right, Woods Basement Systems is one of our sponsors. They've been around since 1986. They've helped over 55,000 homeowners, basement and crawl space wall cracks. If they're a problem, we're talking about the foundation walls of your home. What's lurking in the dirt crawling there? Well, mold, pests of all types and smells, especially now that the air conditioner has been running and turned on for a few months. Call the area's highest-rated, most-reviewed contractor, Woods Basement Systems, And a couple of things happen if you ignore the problems. One is the cracks only get worse. They will not go away. No matter how hard you wave your magic wand, they are not going to go away, and they keep stealing value from your home until the cause is fixed. Woods Basement Systems, they've won many awards, including the Better Business Bureau Torch Awards. What is it costing you to not fix the problem? 888-935-4333 or go online to woodsbasementsystems.com. Uh, Ernie texts in. He says the penalty for using a cell phone should be as serious as a DUI. That's from Ernie. And Tom says, hey, Brian, why don't they prop the Burnham Mansion up and make classrooms out of it? It would be a great place for home economics with, I'm sure, a big kitchen. And the cost would be, I'm sure, much less than the demolition of the mansion and rebuilding costs of another building. That is from Tom. We had Chris Kleppel on earlier from Unit 4. Unit 4 School Board President. Also, thanks to Larry Maggot of CBS News, technology consultant, for being on with us for a few minutes as well. We're at 9.59, approaching 10 o'clock. More open line time after the hour. Jim Dye is tomorrow. Back after this on WDWS Champaign-Urbana, 10 o'clock. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397, email talk at WDWS.com, or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. 1009 here on DWS. Glad you're with us, wherever you might be listening today at a busy first hour. We appreciate Cliff Kleppel, Unit 4 School Board President, stopping by on his way to work to uh, visit with us, give us a quick update on what's happening with all the uh, construction and the Burnham Mansion and everything else with Unit 4 as part of that referendum from now two years ago. So we visited with him. Then we talked a little bit about cell phones and uh, their use. I have some more on that coming up. Visited a few minutes with Larry Magdid from CBS. He's a technology consultant. 
in regards to Facebook and 3D guns and Apple about to hit the uh, trillion dollar mark in value. First time that's ever happened. And uh, several good texts and emails that have continued to come in. So we'll get to those here as we work our way through this hour on the first day of August. Glad you're with us. Partly sunny today. Headed for a high of 82. We're at 69 degrees currently as we start the new hour here, 10 after 10. 3569397 is the phone number. You can email us, talk at wdws.com. And uh, you can uh, text us, Castle Heating and Cooling, text line 3515357. Illini non-conference basketball schedule came out yesterday, November 8th. Evansville, the Purple Aces from Evansville, Indiana. Illini will host Georgetown, part of the Gavit Games, November 13th. Of course, they'll be in Maui for the Maui Invitational in the week of Thanksgiving. Gonzaga. And then potentially Arizona or Iowa State. Uh, Mississippi Valley State in here on November 25th. November 27th at Notre Dame. And of all the places I've ever been, and I've been to a lot in the last 30 years of broadcasting, I've never done a game from South Bend, Indiana. That'd be the first time. Had Notre Dame for basketball, part of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. December 8th against UNLV. That's the return game from last year in Vegas. December 15th, this is non-conference against East Tennessee State. December 22nd, the Bragg and Rights game in Missouri. Going for six in a row. And then December 29th, Florida Atlantic. There'll be a Big Ten game in early December, a couple of them. And uh, the Big Ten home game for Illinois will be in Chicago. And then the opponent and time to be determined. All right, let's see here. Some texts have come in. Uh, Russians hurting our elections with Facebook? Ridiculous. Unless you think all of us flyover people are stupid. Oh, that's right, they do. That's from Bill. Also, let's see, there was a sports question that was, let's see if I can get to it here, from early in the hour. It says, I was watching Pac-12 Media Day last week. I predict that Herman Edwards will be at Arizona State for two years, and he'll be back at ESPN. Edwards was not allowed to pick his own coaches. The coaches from Todd Graham staff are still employed. I don't see this working out very well. And also a text says, police are cracking down on cell phone use while driving. I have a Bluetooth device I keep in the car. Not having a Bluetooth-capable car, I find this device very helpful. I think there are several such devices available, and they cost less than the cost of a ticket. No texting while driving, of course, but you can talk hands-free. So that's on the uh, Castle Heating and Cooling text line. The uh, recent sentencing, uh, our newsroom's been covering this, the recent sentencing of Stephen Cruz for a fatal crash. You may have seen Mary Shank's story on that the other day, and Jim Dye had a column on it yesterday. It's put a renewed focus on distracted driving. Cruz admitted to looking at his cell phone on I-57 last summer and rear-ending a vehicle, killing a 10-year-old Camargo girl inside. Area police departments actively watch for people on their cell phones behind the wheel, ran tool police, have issued 71 such tickets this year. That's in Rantoul. In Urbana, during a targeted patrol at Florida and Race, they wrote 22 cell phone citations yesterday. The first offense will cost you $120 when you factor in court costs. 
Some officers say the penalty needs to be stiffer in order to deter more drivers. And then Jim Dye's column talking about the uh, Mary Shank story uh, concerning the hearing of a Matt Two man who pleaded guilty to a distracted driving charge as a result of a June 8 car crash that left a 10-year-old girl dead, her sister and grandmother seriously injured. And uh, Jim Dye writes, of course, the defendant, 38-year-old family man Stephen Cruz, has to live with that memory, and unfortunately thousands, maybe even millions of people, thoughtlessly do every day what Cruz did, glance or use their cell phones while behind the wheel. The facts indicate in this case, Jim Dye says, the Cruz was uh, driving south on I-57 near 74 when he took his eyes off the road to answer his phone. Just what was so important as to risk life and limb. But he says every day, countless people engage in the same kind of conduct, and they appear to be oblivious to the risks to themselves, to others that they're running. Although anyone would hardly know it, Illinois has laws on the books that ban cell phone use while driving, but most are ignored by the driving public. And Jim went on to ask, uh, do motorists think they're immune to the potential consequences? Are they aware that there are potential negative consequences? Or is society's slavish devotion to cell phones so strong it's created a new menacing normal? And he says, so far, law enforcement's efforts to Minimize cell phone use while driving have been the equivalent of pouring water on a duck's back. People don't obey the law because they have no respect for it. They may fear getting a ticket for violating it, but that just leads to a game of cat and mouse with law enforcement. And he goes on to say, have readers ever been in a restaurant, bar, popular gathering space, where a group of people sit around a table each staring or repeatedly checking their phones? And he says, why? Does the world really change every five minutes? Anyway, that's some of the uh, distracted driving talk and comments. We'll talk to Jim Dye about that a little bit tomorrow when he joins us in the second hour. We'll have some open line time in the first hour tomorrow. A text in says, as a member of the media, Brian, do you feel offended when a person doesn't trust what you may say? As you say, the uh, true media, uh, he says here, uh, CBS, MSNBC, etc., held accountable Fox, Breitbart, etc., are not. Also, do we really believe everything the president says? Well, I'm in a little different role now. Um, I can tell you that we have very hardworking reporters, both print, digital, radio, here at our um, outfit, uh, the News Gazette Media. And I can tell you those people work every day to get the facts right, double-check their sources, make sure everything's correct. Uh, when I was reading the news, I always felt a responsibility to read it correctly, make sure if I wrote a story, and I haven't written stories for a long time, but to make sure that they're accurate. Um, my role's a little different now as a talk show host. Um, I have opinions or thoughts on things, and people may agree and they may not, and that's okay. I don't worry about I I like everybody, so if you have a differing opinion, that's okay. We can agree to disagree. I don't really get offended by that. But, um, yeah, I know that there are a lot of, I think in local news especially, they work very, very hard to um, to try to get the facts straight. Now, you know, when you get to the national level, it's a whole different ball game as to sets of facts or what's reported, uh, what you think should be reported, and that's where we've um, gotten off track, I think, at the national level especially, is I'm not sure anybody knows what the umpire, which is supposed to be the media, you would think, is thinking. 
because uh, the trust in media reporting and so forth has gone down the tubes in recent years. I don't think there's much doubt about that at that level. And I can see why in a lot of cases. All right, to the phones here at 1018. Good morning, Don. Hey, how you doing? Good. I think what it comes down is the truth. You know, nobody seeks the truth anymore. They don't want to know the truth. Like I said, they'd rather mm-hmm. just let people spew lies all day long and act like it's legitimate, as opposed to actually be guided towards what the truth is. But uh, the reason I called is I love the idea of cameras in the classroom. I yeah. love that. You I, like that, huh? I think it's... I think it should be mandatory. I think there should be a movement to make that mandatory. I mean, we'd rather have cameras on police and watch criminals than watch our kids being educated. It's ridiculous. It should be a no-brainer. I mean, uh, no pun intended, but, yeah, you should be able to watch your kid in history class. Granted, nobody wants to see nobody in no shower or nothing like that. I'm sure the liberals will freak on that. But, I mean, yeah, you should be able to. I mean, that's... That's a great idea. That way you know your kid's in school. You know he's fine. You know he's being taught properly. I bet you every teacher in this world will go, no way, we don't want, you know, because they don't want to be accountable. But uh, one more thing on the uh, cell phones. I totally agree. I think they should be banned by driving. But uh, it always gets me. I I know police are professional and trained, but I think they have a walkie-talkie, a laptop, a camera, and a phone. And I think they use them while they chase people at, you know, high speeds. So, I mean, I mean, they should have them. I get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know. You could you could take the pickle off your cheeseburger and wreck. (laughs) Well, yeah, you could. And and if you're you're, if you're fidgeting with the radio, I mean, you know, you're 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 putting a CD in or you're, um, you know, tuning across the dial. And, uh, you know, are you distracted then, too? Right, right. And we've had radios and cars probably since there's been cars. Mm-hmm. For a long time. <laughs> so, All right. All right. Thank you, Don. Have a good one. Yep. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. Three five six nine three nine seven. Yeah, we talked in the first hour. We had, in case you're just joining us, we had Chris Kleppel on, uh, Unit 4 School Board President, had a question from a caller who had been a teacher, said he would be in favor of uh, cameras in the classroom. A, I think what he was looking at was the to hold the teacher accountable to here's the here's the syllabus or here's the outline of what we're going to be teaching the lesson plan and you could check in as a parent go well is my teacher actually doing what they're supposed to be doing and that was kind of the uh, I think the gist of that conversation kind of the shorthand version of it don't know what you uh, think about that or if you agree with that I don't know if you're you want that Three five six nine three nine seven is how you can join us. Uh, let's see here. Let's go back to the phones to uh, Jim. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Um, I'm kind of struck, I guess, by the irony or or whatever of the homeowners that are complaining about lot sizes and buildings in relation to them in a particular subdivision in this town. Yeah, I saw that yesterday. Was that on the Park Street? Somewhere? Uh, Is that what I'm No, thinking? it's over on on uh, kind of Charles and Daniel and uh, west of Prospect, north of uh, uh, Armory, that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. No big houses. Are there signs that they're sticking in their yards? And I drove through there, and I was struck by how many, at least half of the homes that had signs in front. 
all had a bump out or an addition, maybe put there before they bought that house. I don't know. But it seems rather duplicitous to me to complain about somebody else wanting to put a, a house on a piece of property that's already zoned to be able to put that size house on. So hmm. yeah, there was a lot. There, there was a lot of people there at that meeting the other night. I guess at the the library. I understand. Wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, but you know, to complain about it with a sign, and you want to protest someone else's ability to build a home or add an addition or whatever, yet you've got yours. Come on, yeah. that's that's wrong. Thank you. All right, thank you, Jim. Good phone call, 1022, here at News Talk 1400-DWS. I see the uh, Douglas Branch longtime manager being honored, S.E. Harris. The uh, Library Illinois Library Association 2018 Hugh C. Atkinson Memorial Award. So congratulations there. Let's see, back to the phones here, 3569397 to Thomas. Hey, how you doing, Brian? Good. How are you? Good. You know, I just wanted to make a quick call, and I just wanted to agree with Don on uh, the transparency idea of having cameras in the classroom. I think that that would be a great thing for not only for those that, that you know, want to critique the, the education that's going on in there, but um, to have an added eye uh, for the kids. You know, maybe a parent can log in on their phone and take a look and um uh, you know, check on the kid, see what he's doing. Uh, maybe when the kid comes home, parent could tell them, him or her, you know, well, I seen you doing this, or I was checking up on you here, and that just might uh, encourage the kid to, to do better in class as well. So I just wanted to agree with Don and that first caller that brought that issue up. Hmm. I think it will be a great idea. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know um, when we'll ever get to that, but uh, I would be curious to hear from teachers, see what they think about that. Yeah, from a safety and a and a, just to help have a help from a parent, I think that they would probably agree with it. I mean, if you're worried about the the critique of the education, then perhaps you you know uh, there should be some concern, um, you know, because we entrust these teachers to uh, shape and mold our kids, um, and you know they should have someone, you know, paying a little bit attention to mm-hmm. that other than. You know, just the administrator. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to know as as a parent if how many parents would do it, and would they check in for a couple of minutes, or would they actually watch the whole class? I mean, all day uh, probably long. Probably both. Yeah. Probably both. It just depends on their schedule and how much, uh, how uh, in tune they are with their kids and their education. For say, you know, how important it may be to them. Hmm. So I, I think that uh, that might be a really good thing. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Thomas. Thank you. Yep. Great to hear from you. Probably some cost involved, I would think, too, at some point. We'll take a break. Penny, for your thoughts. We'll continue with more news headlines coming up here in just a few minutes. We can get a call or two in before then. Got another uh, text in, a question about lapel pins. We'll ask you to listen for that after this on DWS. Back on Penny for your thoughts, News Talk 1400 DWX. The owner of MX Electric is Max. He works on both residential and commercial projects, and a free estimate is always given before beginning any project. Over 15 years of experience doing this, and uh, they work on residential and commercial electrical needs. It doesn't matter how big or small the electrical issue is. 
Just relax and call Max. Nikita's the one who actually answers the phone, though, at MX Electric. In fact, Max did some uh, work in my uh, dad's house down there west of Salona. My dad was very happy with him. So uh, if you uh, trust my dad, and I think you probably do, right? I do. Uh, He says, hey, call Max. He's good. And everything from TV installation, ceiling fans, retrofitting bulb changes, fire hazards, fuses, breakers. My advice is anything with electricity, put the screwdriver down and walk away and call MX Electric, right? Don't deal with electricity if you don't know what you're doing. And MX Electric, they do know what they're doing. Again, they're here to handle all of your electrical needs. So MX Electric, you can... um, Contact them, reach out to them at uh, 359-7293, 359-7293, MX Electric, one of our sponsors here on Penny for Your Thoughts, and say hi to Nikita and to Max. We're at 1028, the uh, story that our caller was referencing. They had the big meeting at the library the other night. City officials grilled on Monday night by a crowd of more than 80 people. Most of them concerned with the trend of large houses going up on smaller size lots in Champaign. Many of the residents turned out for the city-organized meeting at the library, hail from the Clark Park neighborhood, where the trend of big new houses on junior-sized lots is dwarfing older, smaller houses nearby. On Monday night, city planners had laid out three possible ways to change the house-to-lot racial regulations, the solutions they say would be implemented citywide. But uh, anyway, that was what the uh, story was on that. You can check it out at uh, news-gazette.com. Of course, our radio crew has been covering that as well. And in uh, Champaign here, I have a question. Hey, Brian, where in Champaign can I find an American flag lapel pin? Or where can I find American flag lapel pins? Where in Champaign can they get those? All right, if you've got an answer to that, you can text us or call us. And let us know about that. 3569397. Text us 3515357 or email us talk at wdws.com. The news coming up next here at the bottom of the hour with Tim Dippman. We'll continue with our phone calls, emails, and texts. We're talking earlier today about 3D guns. Visited with Larry Magnet of uh, CBS on that. The Facebook story, Apple, the Manafort trial, Unit 4. We talked to Chris Kleppel earlier this morning on that. And a big topic today has been distracted driving. And, uh, boy, it's so tempting. That phone rings or buzzes or somebody texts you, you want to look at it while you're driving and shouldn't be doing it, but it's hard not to. And it's been a big problem. And we had a tragedy that had a big case here just recently where uh, Stephen Cruz was involved in a fatal crash and a 10-year-old Camaro girl inside killed as a result and some injuries, and we've been discussing that as well today. So we'll keep it going here the final 30 minutes. Tim Dittman has the news up next here on Penny for Your Thoughts. Stay tuned. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WDWS. Ten thirty-four here on News Talk fourteen hundred DWS. High of eighty-two today, sixty-nine here in downtown Champaign. The weather has been fantastic as we start the month of August. Phone lines available to you three five six nine three nine seven. We're just having a community discussion here as we do every day, and on a variety of issues. Three five one five three five seven on the text line, and you can 
Email us always at talk at wdws.com. Any help on the American flag lapel pins in order to get those? Had a uh, texter uh, text that in and ask to see if somebody can help with that. Let's see. Today in history, this day in 1942, Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead was born. Died August 9th of 1995 at 53. Francis Scott Key, who wrote the Star-Spangled Banner, after watching the British bombardment of Fort McHenry, born on this day in 1779. Francis Gary Powers, remember that? The U-2 incident, shot down over the Soviet Union in 1960. Died on this day in 1977. When his weather helicopter, he was doing weather reports, crashed in Los Angeles, he was uh, 47. Was he doing weather or traffic? Can't remember. But anyway, uh, Francis Gary Powers died on this day, 1977. This is the day, you may remember this, 1966. 25-year-old former U.S. Marine Charles Whitman barricaded himself at a University of Texas tower, began shooting people below. 14 people killed, 31 injured before Whitman was killed by police. This goes back to 1966. And it was 11 years ago, 2007, the entire span of a bridge between Minneapolis and St. Paul collapsed into the Mississippi River during evening rush hour. It killed 13. Remember the footage on that? And we cross uh, a bridge going all the time from in Minneapolis to get over to the um, University of Minnesota for ball games. And in uh, 1907, the U.S. Army Signal Corps established an aeronautical division, the forerunner of the U.S. Air Force, on this day in 1907. And this day in 1936, the Olympics opened in Berlin with a ceremony presided over by Adolf Hitler in 1936. Of course, that's the famous Olympics with Jesse Owen. Jesse Owens. To all the people saying a camera in the classroom is a great idea, are they also okay with a camera in their workplace to monitor them? <laughs> That's from Jerry in Urbana. We're talking about uh, cameras in the classroom, actually showing what's going on in a classroom day to day. A, I'm guessing there's a lot of cost with that if you were to do that. B, I'd be interested to hear if you would watch it all day. Would you have it up somewhere to just monitor what the teacher's doing, teaching the curriculum that you think she, he or she should be teaching? I don't know. If you're a teacher, I don't know what you think about that. 1037 here at DWS. The Trump administration and some other news today, Trump administration says it's clearing the way for health insurers to sell short-term plans as a low-cost alternative to pricey Obama law policies for people struggling with high premiums. But the policies for individuals being proposed have no guarantees of coverage for existing medical conditions and come with limited benefits. Federal health officials say the plans can last up to 12 months and may be renewed for up to 36 months. Details expected today. Officials hope the plans will appeal to people ineligible for income-based subsidies under the Affordable Care Act. Critics say the plans undermine the health law. Don't know if you saw this. The uh, president had a, a speech last night, a rally in Tampa, 
president calling for voters to show photo ID at the polls, made the statement during a rally last night in Tampa, Florida, promoted the campaigns of two Florida Republicans. The president railing against the idea of non-citizens voting in elections when he claimed that identification is required for everything but voting. He told supporters, if you go out and you want to buy groceries, you need a picture on a card, you need ID. Of course, you don't have to do that for groceries, but you do need them for alcohol, cigarettes, or cold medicine sometimes. And uh, the president also in that rally criticized Democrats who opposed the nominee for the Supreme Court, Brett Kavanaugh, and said voters need to elect more Republicans, part of his uh, rally last night down in Tampa. 1039 here at DWS, 3569397. Variety of topics today. We've talked about 3D guns. We've talked about Facebook. Uh, the issues there we discussed with Larry Magnet of CBS News, technology consultant for us a little bit earlier this morning. The uh, Paul Manafort trial is ongoing. A lot of talk around that, although the only real connection to the president is that Manafort at one time was the campaign manager, but that was. Uh, long before any of this really happened, so uh, that's his one connection to it. And also, uh, Rich Lowry with an opinion piece today in the New York Post. He says, like it or not, America is now seriously debating socialism. If you want to check out that column, I may hit on a couple of things in it. But um, And also there's another poll out says young people think their generation would do a better job of running the country. And the numbers are pretty high as to who they think would be best, not so much who would be elected, but that they themselves could run it better. Isn't that always been the case, though? Having those of us that were younger, we always thought we could do it better, right? (laughs) Our parents don't know anything, do they? They don't know what they're doing. Wasn't that what we thought at one time in our lives? Uh, let's go to the phone. Sarah, good morning, Sarah. Yes, good morning, Brian. Um, I I know of one more item that you can add to the list where you have to show your ID. Yeah. And this was done at uh, one of the Meyer stores in Champaign-Urbana, and I had purchased a small can of WD-40 and was carded for it. Really? Yes. WD-40? Yes. <laughs> So you have to be a certain age to you have to buy a certain age to have it, or I don't. I wonder what the reason is. Um, you had to be yes. Yeah, but I wonder why. I have a feeling, though I didn't ask, but maybe huffing. Oh. Is involved, hmm. but anyway, that was interesting. I looked at her and I said, "WD forty, yes." And that was at Meyer, huh? Yes. Wow. Was it the only thing you were buying, or was it on a whole list of things that you bought? You know, I. I honestly cannot remember that, mm. but I okay. think it was probably just for that item. But anyway, that was just interesting. <laughs> that is. I've never heard of that. Thank you, thank you Sarah. Thank you. Bye. WD-40, huh? Uh, 356-9397. Text line available. The text line's available 24-7. If you think of something at 3 a.m. Uh, you want to share, you can do it. 3515357. You can always email Talk at WDWS.com. 1042 here at the Radio Center in downtown Champaign. And let's go to Alan. Alan, good morning. Hey, I just want to call earlier about um, uh, cameras in the classroom. Okay. 
Uh, you're making this argument about uh, watching it all day. What does watching it all day have to do with it? Why can't why can't the uh, the parent who let me back up? How many parents ever know what's going on in a classroom? How many parents ever actually see what's going on in the classroom? And it seems to me like when you use privacy in public education, that's oxymoronic. The individual, the gentleman that called in about uh, uh, watching what's going on in the classroom and when their son, daughter comes home, you have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why that wouldn't uh, be foremost on people's mind. And one last thing, and I appreciate you letting me talk again. Let's look at what happened in Florida, uh, that shooting. Wouldn't cameras in the classroom be able to identify where that person is? Wouldn't those police officers, instead of waiting out there and, and kind of guessing where he is, wouldn't they know where he is? Wouldn't the school district, whenever they can see that, they can, they can inform the people in the classes where this individual is? I mean, it seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong, that the irony of all this is public education is the laggard in technology. Hmm. Okay. And I don't, I don't understand why you are putting teachers above parents and students. Do you have, do you have a relative in teaching? Uh, yes, I do, actually. Yeah, that's what I yeah. thought. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Normally we do allow just one call, right, Ed? So that one slipped by Ed there, but uh, that's okay. Our call screener, Ed Bond, <laughs> does a great job for us. 356-9397. No, I'm just saying you've got, if I'm, if I'm working for a living, right now I can't turn on a TV. If I, if I still had daughters in high school, I can't turn on a TV. I don't have time to watch what's going on. i got to work. It's like city council meetings are available. If you want to watch the park board, or you want to watch whatever on something on a UPTV channel or whatever, you're welcome to do it. I'm just trying to figure out how many people would actually take the time to watch it. And I agree with you that I think it might help in some cases. I, I just think there's a lot of cost. I, I just think to I, I try to look at things realistically. Whether you think it's a good idea or not is up to you. Um, if you drive to the store, you need a license that has a picture. If you pay by check, you need a photo ID. Remember, the president pays with a check, not cash. That's on the uh, text line. Jay, good morning. How are you? Hi. Brian? Yeah, how are you? Hi, good. Um, one thing, when my children were going to school, which was eons ago, anyway, what when the children were misbehaving, we could, as a parent, shadow the children. In other words, go from class to class with them. And so, as far as I'm concerned, the cameras would be good to see if the children are behaving for the teacher. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, too. Yeah, you could see how the discipline's going in the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, hmm. thank you. Thank you, Jay. Yep. Bye-bye. Good to hear from you. 1045. Here at DWS. Now back to Karen. Hi, Karen. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Good. I'm doing pretty well. A lot of, lot of different topics today. I like it. There are. I am a former teacher in Champaign schools, and there are some regulations that the teachers have. There is no filming even of teachers filming kids in the classrooms because of privacy issues. 
Um, there are children with special needs that it's their privacy as far as the type of uh, behaviors that they have. We also have parents who um, opt not to let their children be photographed for reasons. So there's an awful lot of privacy reasons why you wouldn't have cameras going in the classrooms. Yeah, I would I would think that would be part of it, yeah. And, and, you know, do you have a camera just on the teacher? Do you have it, I mean, do you have to have two cameras, one on the classroom and one on the teacher, one from behind the teacher? I mean, I, there's a lot more to it than just putting a camera in there, I think. Right, and teachers don't stand still. You know, if they're doing their job effectively, they are everywhere in that classroom. So they would be constantly with children, and so kids would always be on the cameras as well and you can't you know without having a cameraman you would have no way of following the teacher and avoiding certain children who aren't supposed to be filmed and you know sometimes it's good for the parents to know we always thought that it would be good for the parents to know how their kids are are acting in there but um, for the sake of other children you know how if your child is one that is acting up do you want every parent in the classroom to know that your child is acting up yeah yeah, we're give, giving up a lot of privacy there, that's for sure, in that regard. We so are. so as a teacher, though, would you would you get used to it being in there? I mean, I know it's hypothetical, but, I mean, or would you think you'd be performing for the camera, or could you just ignore it and do your job? Oh, I think you would, it would probably start off that way, just because you would be conscious of it. But, I mean, that's not something that you can pay attention to all the time. So I think it would be something that they would get used to. Hmm. I would invite any parents to go visit the schools, though. It's very strange how few parents come in. If they really want to see how their kids are doing, I would invite any of them to visit a lot more often than we have parents come in. Yeah, can parent can a parent just visit a classroom one day? Do they get can they do that, or do they? Or is it just the parent teacher conference? They have meeting? to sign. They they probably need to call in and mm-hmm. make sure that you know. That what the schedule is and things like that, um, they would need to talk with the, the teacher or at least with the principal in the office, but parents are welcome to come into the schools. Hmm. Um, they just need to check in. All right. Uh, we have parents that will come in and, and keep track of things. We have grandparents that come in to, to double-check and see how life is going at school. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know what the, uh, you know, I, I didn't really ever go in and sit in and watch my daughter. I went to parent-teacher meetings and things like that, but um, right. that's an interesting idea. And they do have special days. There are special days that they can come in and visit, and you know sometimes that's not them at their real things. But if you have a concern about what's going on, you know that can be discussed with the schools and, and have times that people can come in um, as long as they're not being a distraction to the education of the students. Hmm. And you teach here locally? Or you did? I did. I yeah. Okay. Well, very good. Well, thank you, Karen. You're welcome. Yep, good to hear from you. Uh, Carded for WD-40, text says, there's your younger generation. And uh, this is directed to the person who asked if proponents of cameras in the classroom would be okay if there were cameras in their workplace. They are already there. Think of the number of cameras in Walmart, Menards, Target, Home Depot, Hobby Lobby, and on and on. The cameras are already there in many places. Uh, and text says, as I said in an earlier text, I don't support cameras, don't want some pervert watching my child. That's from Bill. 
And a text in on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line says the cost is always the excuse. There are cameras everywhere we go, so privacy is a joke in that regard. Let's go to Brian. Hey, Brian, good morning. Good morning, Brian. How are you, sir? Brian, good. You notice how much different the media is covering this Russian collusion business now than the way they covered the uh, the Red Scare back in the 40s and 50s when Joseph McCartney was trying to uh, out uh, communists within within the government. Um, one of the big reasons they hate Richard Nixon so much is because he outed that Alger Hiss, prosecuted him for being a communist, and uh, right the the communists have been infiltrating our government for years. I mean, they've infiltrated our education system, our our media. They're behind uh, sponsoring a lot of these anti-war protests and protests. I mean, they've been, uh, like Khrushchev said, they're going to take us over without firing a shot, and they're not going to do it with with uh, missiles and men. They're they're infiltrating the uh, the the society itself. Well, and that's where we are right now, I think, with the uh, with social media. I mean, whatever the avenue is to infiltrate and to meddle or whatever the term you want to use is, uh, they're going to use it. Yeah, but, uh, you know, back in the 50s, I mean, they, they made, uh, well, Joseph McCartney, they ruined him. You know, he became an alcoholic and died young. Yeah, and uh, the truth of the matter is, he did out a bunch of communists. Well, he did. You know? He probably, I mean, from what I've read about him, he, he you know, he kind of overstepped. He went crazy, I think, on it. Um, you know, because pretty soon he was just, you know, mentioning and passing somebody, and suddenly they were a communist sympathizer. He got a little out of control. But I think his, you know, when he started, there was some real concern in the country about it because it was shortly after, you know, World War II and. You know, the communist uh, bloc and everything else. So there was, uh, you know, rightful concern about it. But. Yeah, but they uh, they have infiltrated, you know, our, like I said, entertainment, media. They're, they're all over the place trying to undermine society. And there's nothing new under the sun. But uh, the way they're railing about it now, I mean, kind of undermines our election process. I mean, I hope it doesn't undermine the uh, confidence that Americans have in our electrical process because, you know, with the way they're going about with our law enforcement now and, you know, questioning elections, I mean, it's it's going to unravel society if we aren't careful. Yeah, well, we're getting close to it, and there has been, you know, we've already had the, the, the disputed 2000 election. I mean, that was, that was a big one, and, uh, you know, people can't trust the election process anymore in their mind, uh, then you got a big problem. And, and if the law doesn't apply to the upper people in government, you know, it won't be long before the, the average citizen isn't going to pay any attention to it either. Hey, Brian, thanks for the call today. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right, 10.53. We have the one break left, Ed. Is that right? Okay, we got a little bit of time here then. Let's go to uh, John. John, good morning. Hey, good morning, Brian. Um, I don't think it's communist. You know what done? What took over America? The OJs had the song, and it's perfect for the love of money. There is so much money out here now; it will scare you. Anytime you got a company that can overthrow the government, 
company can overthrow politicians. Companies can, I mean, money can overthrow police officers, judges, ministers. We've got so much money in here, the media finally realized, wait a minute, we can use this to our advantage. Look at all of the talk show hosts that have got millions and millions of dollars. Like, wow, how did they get rich so quick? Even when they're talking about Manafort from a, a country on the other side of Russia, he come up with about $60 million. Money is is just a flow in the bucket here in America, and that's what's killing us. We lost our identity, and our creativity is just gone. Well, and uh, money is uh, what? The love of money is the root of all evil. Is that what they say? I'm telling you. The it love is just, of money, it's just, yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Rupert Murdoch, when he when he created Fox, he started out small, but then he had a kick for everything. He went to everybody. Oh, we're going to put a show on here for this person. We're going to put a show on it. And the next thing you know, the money started rolling in. But uh, another thing I want to tell you, uh, I don't know if the uh, Army surplus is still around. If uh, it is, that's where you can go get the American flag emblems, you know, mm. to put on your lapels. Okay. But Arm- I don't know if it's still around. I don't they know. Moved, uh, hmm. Army they surplus. Used to be down on uh, Neal Street, but uh, they had a bunch of old military stuff, so that's yeah. where I know. Unless you can order it. Yeah, I'm sure okay, you. Can. you guys have a good. Thank have you, John. Day, yep, appreciate it. Ten fifty-five. Back with more. Penny for your thoughts here to start to wrap it up for today. A lot of great conversation. I love it. All the different topics. Back after this. Ten fifty-eight. Penny for your thoughts. Here's the number to write down, 888-935-4333. That's for Woods Basement Systems. You can go to woodsbasementsystems.com. It was founded in 1986 by Rick and Anna Lee Woods, and today they're one of the largest foundation repair and waterproofing contractors in Illinois, serving both residential and commercial clients. Awards only begin to tell the story. They lead the industry in innovation and expertise. No matter what your concern, for home or for business, you can be confident your Woods Basement Systems representative will have the expertise to diagnose the problem and offer the best, most cost-effective solution. We're having them come and do some work for us. Had some saturated soil around our uh, basement that led to some water coming in and all this uh, heavy rain we've had recently. So um, I'd invite you to do the same. Let them come out, at least give you a free estimate if you go another direction. Uh, we uh, certainly would welcome uh, their input, though, 888-935-4333. Go to woodsbasementsystems.com. The problems you have in your basement, they do not go away. They only get worse if you ignore them, and they keep stealing value from your home until you get them fixed. Again, 888-935-4333. Go to woodsbasementsystems.com. A lot of great topics today. Appreciate it. Larry Maggot for coming on, for Chris Kleppel for coming on as well, and for all the phone calls, emails, and texts. It was uh, a busy, busy show today. We like it. Open line tomorrow at 9. Jim Dye from the News Gazette will join me in hour number two as we work our way through the week here in early August. Thanks for being with us. The news is next from CBS, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, 11 o'clock Central. <laughs>